Our second scripture for this morning comes from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 19, verses 45 through 48. Then he, Jesus, entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling things there. And he said, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching in the temple. The chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people kept looking for a way to kill him, but they did not find anything they could do, for all the people were spellbound by what they heard. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Martin Luther King Jr. and other activists during the civil rights movement extensively trained and prepared for how they would handle the physical and emotional violence that would be inflicted upon them during their marches, bus rides, and sit-ins. They prayed together. They practiced enduring verbal abuse, being hit, and having smoke blown in their faces so that they could remain calm when it was actually happening. These activists were then mocked, harassed, assaulted, and often arrested. Dr. King suffered a number of death threats and indeed was assassinated for his work. It was hard work for very slow progress. Yet the late John Lewis called what they were doing good trouble, necessary trouble. At the end of their rope, with backs to the wall, standing up and fighting injustice was the only option for many who believed in the cause for civil rights. It caused a scene. It challenged the status quo. It reminded folks the way we are doing things is not right and not how God intended. In our gospel lesson this morning, we are reminded that Jesus was a Jew who likely traveled to Jerusalem each year to celebrate the Passover festival. When the Israelites were escaping slavery in Egypt, God commanded they put the blood of a lamb on their doorposts so that the angel of death would pass over their houses. This annual Passover festival was a celebration of God's grace and deliverance. This is not like other years Jesus has gone with his family and friends growing up, though. Jesus has been preaching and teaching and healing along with his disciples for some time now. He knows this week in the holy city will be different. Having made his triumphal entry on a donkey to the sight of crowds waving palm branches and the sounds of their voices shouting Hosanna, Jesus and his disciples make their way to the temple. Jesus is angered by what he sees there, but not simply the presence of buying, selling, and exchanging currency. These practices were required for people who had traveled a long way, were carrying foreign money, and needed to purchase animals for the purpose of offering sacrifice to God. People who came to worship God in Jerusalem exchanged their coins for temple currency to be used within the temple area itself. They purchased animals to sacrifice to God, 
The problem isn't the temple itself or even the sacrificial system. Jesus has a problem with the temple leadership. Merchants who converted currency and sold animals for sacrifice had a monopoly on these types of commerce, and they would charge exorbitant rates that left poor travelers with no other options. Rather than using the temple for its intended purpose, they used their relationship to the temple to hide their unjust behavior. Jesus' anger and actions in this passage can be uncomfortable for us to think about. But Jesus was fully God and fully human. He experienced the full range of human emotions, including anger. You know how your body reacts when you feel anger, yes? Your muscles tense up. Your face gets hot. You zone in on the problem at hand. You might feel this type of way when you're interrupted or criticized. Maybe when someone cuts you off in traffic or when you are calmly disagreeing with someone and they tell you to calm down. That makes me mad. (laughs) Your skin gets hot. Fun fact, the one of the ways you can uh, say that you're angry in Hebrew is that your nose burned hot. This saying was applied to God in verses that could be translated as God poured out on them the heat of his nose or the Lord's nose burned hot. While God is not human, God does get angry. And God does not get angry over just anything. The rabbi Abraham Heschel wrote, The prophets never portray God's anger as something that cannot be accounted for, unpredictable, irrational. It is never a spontaneous outburst, but a reaction occasioned by the conduct of humans and motivated by concern for right and wrong. You see, humans don't take seriously the fact that we are created in the image of God Rather, we elevate power, wealth, and lots of other things to the status of a God. And then, in the name of our deified ideals and idols, we create communities and institutions that neglect and marginalize and even destroy people who are made in the image of God. And all this fallout and pain caused by human idolatry makes God angry, and rightfully so. There are some things that are worth getting angry about. Think of it this way. While anger can be a destructive force, there are some situations where we view anger as necessary and right. When someone sees injustice happening, getting angry is a warranted response. In fact, most of us would say that a person who feels nothing when they see a terrible injustice is not emotionally or mentally healthy. Anger can be a protective energy, and this is how God's anger is expressed in the Bible. God is not a volatile, angry being who loses his cool now and then. Rather, God's anger is a measured and reasonable response to injustice and evil. So yes, this injustice in the temple produces a righteous anger in Jesus. 
Jesus reminds everyone the temple is supposed to be a house of prayer. He cites Isaiah 56, verse 7, where God says, These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. In contrast, the merchants and temple leaders have made the temple into a den of robbers. A den of robbers. Here, Jesus uses language from the prophet Jeremiah. God speaks through Jeremiah to admonish the people of Judah who have been stealing, murdering, worshiping false gods, and oppressing the foreigner, the orphan, and the widow. They commit violence and idolatry, then seek refuge in the temple, like bandits hiding out in caves to plan their next crimes. Through Jeremiah, God asks God's people, has this house which bears my name become a den of robbers to you? Referring back to scripture from the Hebrew Bible was a careful and intentional choice Jesus made to remind the people of how they had strayed from their covenant with God in the past and were doing so again now. God doesn't want sacrifices at the expense of the oppressed, Jesus is trying to say. Their false religion is worthless in the days of the prophets and now during the festival. When I see injustice in the world myself today, I get mad. I want to lash out. Sometimes I feel like I could flip a couple tables. But I can't use Jesus flipped tables as an argument to justify any lashing out I want to do, right? Jesus was making a specific point to a specific group about a specific issue. He didn't go around destroying furniture whenever anyone disagreed with him. And yet, the drama, the severity of Jesus' actions do drive his point home. What you are doing here is wrong, and it is worthless to God. So you had better pay attention and fix it. This way of doing things is not what God intended, and this injustice will no longer be tolerated. And even though he is doing the right thing, Jesus is punished. The religious leaders start plotting against him, fearing he is going to start a revolution. The chief priests were heads of priestly families and advisors to the high priest. They are angered by Jesus' actions because they run the temple and are responsible for what happens in it. If there had been a riot when Jesus threw out the merchants, the Romans would have held them, the chief priests, responsible. But the chief priest's anger does not slow Jesus down. Throughout the remainder of this Passover festival, what we now consider the Christian Holy Week, Jesus keeps coming back to the temple to teach and preach on the kingdom of God. Jesus agitates these leaders more and more until it culminates in his arrest and execution. He walked into the temple knowing he would cause a scene, knowing he would offend the powerful, knowing he was setting his face towards his cross, but he was not afraid. Jesus knew the price he would pay was worth it to speak truth to power and challenge the status quo. 
May Jesus be an example for each of us. May we be unafraid to speak up when we witness injustice. Unafraid if we have feelings of anger about it. Righteous anger is necessary to motivate us to resist injustice, like we say we will in our baptismal vows. Don't go flipping tables for no reason, but remember how God commands us to work for justice above all else, including keeping the peace of the status quo. In his book, Just Mercy, Brian Stevenson writes, the true measure of our character is how we treat the poor, the disfavored, the accused, the incarcerated, and the condemned. The love and hope we are shown in the life of Jesus should inspire us to do all we can for those in need. The hope Jesus offers is the kind of hope that creates willingness to position ourselves in hopeless places and be a witness. The kind of hope that allows us to believe in a better future. May Jesus move us to channel righteous anger into action to fight against poverty, food, housing, and healthcare insecurity, greed, and so much more. All injustices that still exist today and still keep us from the abundant life God intends for us all. May God carry us from strength to strength in our fight for justice, the righting of wrongs, and the ushering in of God's kingdom here. Would you pray with me? God, we give you thanks for your righteous anger. We give you thanks for the ways that you show us how we are to respond to injustice. We pray that you would continue to guide and direct us as we seek to fight injustice as it exists in our world today. Amen. Would you please stand and join in singing our closing hymn, Hymn of Promise, number 707 in your hymnal, and the lyrics will also be on the screen. <laughs>